Welcome to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm Charlie. We tackle some of the world's coolest true crime and paranormal mysteries. I break down true crime murder mystery cases. And I bring you the history behind some of the scariest enigmas the world has ever seen. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back. I feel like your intros get different every single day and it just, it's a refresher. It's, I'm just keeping the spark alive, baby. What can I say? <laughs> I actually hated that. I hated that. I'm keeping this fuck alive. <laughs> it was kind of yucky. And dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Season's changing, folks. So are we. Oh, yeah. It's new season. freaking cold. It is very cold. New season, new me. <laughs> actually, I feel like new season, same old me, just grumpier. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to dive right into this day in history. I'm excited. Okay. So, on October 10th, 2004, Superman actor, who we have done a episode about the Superman curse, uh, so Christopher Reeves passes away. So, if you didn't know, if you play Superman or have anything to do with any of the Superman franchises, you are cursed good chance you may die so check out that episode if you are just curious about how christopher reeves passed away yeah i it's it's a super cool episode Mm -hmm. i like it a lot coming from someone who like reads comics religiously super good yeah uh this one kind of close to home for you not kind of close very close to home for you so on October 12th, 1998, in Laramie, Wyoming. It's sad. Um, I already know what you're going to say. I already know what you're going to say. Matthew Shepard, unfortunately, passes away after being the victim of an anti-gay hate crime. I love being gay in Laramie, Wyoming. It is great. It's a great time. I'm, for once, I'm, I'm not lying. It is, it's, it's actually extremely inclusive, and I feel like Laramie, uh, anywhere in Wyoming, is, like, the most inclusive Uh, out of anywhere in Wyoming now. But, yeah, you know, um, back then. In 1998, yeah. No. Yeah, definitely not. Um, My tattoo artist actually went to school with Matthew Shepard. Oh, my gosh. um, And I know a lot of people that knew him and went to school with him and was here for the whole uh, media circus afterwards. So if you guys ever want an episode on that. Let me know. Yeah. I guess it's, like, very, like, you could probably get some interesting insights. The next one is, next year is super interesting. Uh, on October 13th, 1999, the grand jury is dismissed due to insufficient evidence in the John Bonet Ramsey trial. Oh, my God. That's another case that we can cover and if you like, guys want us to. Uh, that's in uh, Boulder, Colorado, right, right? Right. Boulder, Colorado. Also super close to me. So <laughs> not super close. It's about an hour, but still. Yeah. And then on October 14th, 1975, the trial begins for the Amityville murders. Which is another... We did an episode yeah, on that. So yeah. if you want to hear more about what that entails, definitely check out the episode we we did on that. 
it's a hoax. <laughs> oh my god, it's the change in seasons. It's really getting to me. Um, so just kind of also some news we wanted to touch on. We did discuss in our last season the case of Anna Sorokin, and in the past like couple days, she actually has been released from um being detained by ICE and is now living in an apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> Fantastic. I had texted Carly the link to the article and she immediately texted me back and was like, damn it, I was going to surprise you. Yeah. Like, I don't have Crime Watch, like, on my well, phone. I saw, it, I saw it two days before you sent it. Holy shit, did you? Okay, maybe I am out of the loop. A day went by and I was like, all right she hasn't sent because I obviously was like oh my god I have to send this to Charlie but I was like no this would be a nice little surprise at the beginning of the episode so that day goes by and then another day goes by I'm like wow nothing and then I get a little ping on my phone and I was like damn it yeah I did in fact see it um from BuzzFeed news out of everything everything. okay and for our question this week a fun little so i'm gonna change up a little bit on how we do questions so um from charlie as she's played this game before with her friend it's called morbid curiosity a game about death so something we both love it's so fun you guys i 100 percent recommend it my friend who showed it to me actually got it um at a crime museum in Pennsylvania. So I 100% recommend because sounds like you can get it on Amazon too because you're nowhere near Pennsylvania. I bought so. it right from the website. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, we'll link it in the description yeah, if you guys want to check it out. And this is not sponsored. It's just something we, we enjoy. But the little description about it is Morbid Curiosity is a wickedly unique party game that creates a delightfully dark evening with friends and family. Using trivia and discussion cards, Players explore and ignite their curiosity about the greatest mystery of all. Death. Dun dun dun. And the trivia questions are hard as shit. Like, I learned some stuff that I did not know. So, yeah, we're going to do use this game in place of our question. Maybe one day we'll get a sponsor from them. Okay, let's see. I'm just going to pick the first one. So it's a trivia question. Ooh, okay, hit me. In the 1800s, this European city's morgue placed unidentified bodies on display to the public. Was that city A, Venice, B, Paris, C, Prague, or D, Amsterdam? I wouldn't, you know... I'm probably wrong on this one, but I do want to say Amsterdam because it sounds like something they would do. So you're going with D, Amsterdam? I'm going with D, Amsterdam. Unfortunately, it was B, Paris. And it was actually referred to as the only free theater in Paris. What the hell, Paris? Pretty morbid, I would say, for our first morbid curiosity question. I take it back, Amsterdam. 
It's not that I think that you would do that. It's just the fact that you have a whole museum dedicated to dried out penises. Oh. So, like, I feel like, you know, it would it would kind of kind of line up there. I did not know that about Amsterdam. <laughs> See, this game is great for everybody. You learn a lot of things about so am I gonna le- dicks are and gonna dead bodies. Eventually, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What kind of story do you have for us this week? Um. Okay. So before I start, I want to put a disclaimer out there because I know we're technically a true crime podcast. Um, and a horror podcast, but there are things that I mentioned in this episode, like specific crimes against children that are like super brutal. Um, so I just want to give people a warning, please respect your own triggers. Like you can totally skip over this episode if you need to, um, because there, there are some brutal, Unfortunately, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Carly, you are unfortunately stuck. But to anybody else who'd like to bow out and start again next week, we post an episode every Thursday. Um, Mm -hmm. So heads up just before I start. That being said, I am going to talk about the Canic Chase murders. Have you ever heard of those? I don't think so. I hadn't either um, at all, and I actually learned about Canic Chase as an area through a show on the Travel Channel called paranormal caught on tape um okay i've heard of that show yeah it's it's pretty interesting i i like it uh it's kind of repetitive at times but at the end of the day they were talking about a ghost caught on camera in the canic chase i am just gonna dive right in then so the canic chase is located in an idyllic area of staffordshire england it's a mix of country and thick underbrush that makes it a perfect place for hiking and fishing there are trails carved out for mountain bikers, and a model World War I battlefield made use of the area in September of 2013. But the most interesting piece of history in the chase falls to the ghostly sightings of a small girl with deathly black eyes. And I will say, like I said, I mentioned that um, that paranormal caught on tape. That video gave me chills. Like, I watched, oh. I watch the show all the time. It plays on a constant loop when I'm at work. Uh, but I love that. <laughs> I know it's great for me. Um, I have gotten in trouble for it, but I continue to do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this video stressed me the fuck out. Like it is one of, if this was actually like a ghost, it is one of the most like solid figures I've ever seen in a video. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Which led me to the, the crimes that happen. So this girl is believed to be a victim of a notorious predator and serial killer by the name of Raymond Leslie Morris or the Canic Chase Killer. Raymond was born on August 13th of 1929 in Walsall, Staffordshire, which I probably butchered. He lived most of his life there and he was reportedly into poetry and photography and was seen as a very smart guy. He had an IQ of 120, which is considered above average, especially for a serial killer. Mm -hmm. People often described him as a good looking and friendly guy, which is another thing that caught my attention actually. (laughs) Cause like, you know. Like like Ted Bundy, that's like literally his. Exactly, and like current, Ted Bundy. And I feel like currently, modern day Jeffrey Dahmer. 
<laughs> modern day Jeffrey Dahmer because it's Evan Peters. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> when he was 22 years old, he married the daughter of his next door neighbor, and her name was Muriel. She was only 20 years old at the time, and they had two sons together and lived a modest life. Muriel would later go on to describe Raymond as someone who was extremely sexual. He needed to express dominance over her in both a sexual way and in their day-to-day lives. Um, and that's all so I actually found. another red flag. Yeah, another massive red flag. By 1963, Muriel had had enough of her husband's increasingly violent behavior, and she divorced him on grounds of adultery. Um, She was actually the one committing adultery, not him. I do not blame her one bit. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But she did it to the amount of times where, like, she purposely tried to get caught, so he would be like, okay, we're done. So, right, right. yeah. Raymond would have to pay child support to Muriel, and eventually he actually threatened to withhold the child support if she refused to engage in sex with him. Things calmed down enough for her to actually remarry, and then she could separate herself from Raymond entirely and did not need to rely on that child support anymore. Good, good. So when he was 35, Raymond ended up remarrying himself. This time it was to a 21-year-old named Carol Horsley. While he was How married was to Carol, at the time? um, he was thirty-five, okay. and she was twenty-one. Okay, so. uh, uh, not great, not fantastic. <laughs> not the worst sweet part either. Yeah, it it's an age difference. At least, like she's not eighteen, you know. Right. It's still right. not great, though. Um, So while he was actually married to Carol, he was arrested and charged in October of 1966 with suspicion of taking photographs of two girls aged 10 and 11. It's disgusting. It gets so much worse, buddy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. At the time, Raymond worked at a local factory and was accused of luring both of the girls from the front of the factory. He got them to go back to his apartment while Carol was away. He then paid the girls two shillings in order to photograph them. Both of the girls later told their parents what happened, but law enforcement failed to find any evidence of the crime. Um, Other than the girls' statements, which the girls' parents immediately went to the police. They were just like, oh, fuck no. Um, right. But unfortunately, they could not find any photographs. This guy had a family. Like, he, he was a good-looking, average white worker, you know? Like, no one... Of course. Yeah, no exactly. Would... hmm From there, Raymond found work as a sales rep before becoming an engineer, and by 1967, he had become a foreman for the instruments factory in Oldbury. Most people described him as helpful and professional, but generally unfriendly towards people. By all accounts, he was the perfect husband, uh, and kind of, he did not raise any alarm, like I said. Him and Carol lived in a well-furnished apartment in Walsall, and it was actually, uh, ironically, right across the street from the local police station. Ew, he just, like, screams red flags. Yeah, 100%. And then, again, I kind of want to warn you guys, uh, this is where I get into, like, the more brutal crimes, Um, so bow out now if you don't want to listen to this, because it, it, even researching it was bad. (laughs) See you next week, guys. (laughs) So, 
that being said, I'm going to start with the abduction of nine-year-old Julia Taylor in mm-hmm. December of 1964 at approximately 9 p.m. when a man claiming to be Julia's uncle approached her in a blue Vauxhall Velox, which is a kind of a cool fucking car name, but I don't know anything about it. Um, other than that, it was a 1960s Volkswagen, which a lot of people had at the time. He claimed that Julia's mother wanted him to take her to her aunt's house in order to fetch some Christmas presents. Instead, she was driven to a construction site where Raymond then assaulted her and threw her from the vehicle before driving away. She had suffered some internal injuries. You said what? Like, like, she's a child. I understand that. But, like, Mm -hmm. did she not like look at her teachers and go like no that's not my uncle um yeah that's what I was thinking too <laughs> but I don't know I feel like the the 60s were like a different era because that's something that was like consistent about this crime is it was always people being lured into the car for one reason or another um so I don't think like general safety was practiced at that time saying like stranger right. danger you know I mean this I I don't know. I, I feel really bad for her. I don't know. We were born in the 90s. What are we yeah, the 50s? exactly. Uh, so she had suffered from internal injuries and nearly froze in the cold December winter. But miraculously, oh. a cyclist found her 50 minutes after the initial ordeal. It was later stated that if the cyclist hadn't heard Julia crying that night, she most likely would have died within 20 minutes in the elements. Julia later said that she remembered very little of the event other than the moment of fear when they passed her aunt's house. Oh. So eyewitnesses described the car as having, quote, two-tone paint, small fins at the rear, and a headspot lamp mounted close to the wing at the end of the windscreen near the driver's door. Law enforcement had no luck locating the car, despite the well description of people who had, like, physically seen this man abduct this girl, Um, which is why I kind of lean more towards people didn't really uh, bat an eye because of the time. Yeah, because, I mean, crimes like this probably didn't happen very often Mm -hmm. in the 60s. I think that ramped up a lot more in the 70s. let me see. The next incident occurred on a September afternoon in 1965. Six-year-old Margaret Reynolds was walking from her home, located on Clifton Road, to Prince Albert Primary School. It was a short walk, a few blocks at most, um, and at this time, kids were allowed to go home for lunch, so I do want to mention that. She would complete half the walk with her older sister, Susan, and the two would split off at the halfway point to go to their respective locations. At the time that this did happen, they were walking back to the school after lunch. Susan was the last person to see Margaret, and the girl's parents contacted law enforcement when Margaret failed to return home from school that day. She had never made it to school and, or back to school, and then a full-scale investigation was launched. 160 officers pursued over 25,000 suspects in the area, and there were 200 posters printed and put up around Clifton Road and Ashton at the time. Landmarks in the area and homes were searched top to bottom, but there was never any trace of Margaret. There were reports of a white male in a car who had been seen trying to lure girls into his car at the time of her disappearance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Six years old, man. I know. Oh. 
It hurts my soul. Even nine. Like, they're both so young. I want to say it gets better, but it doesn't. I just also, like, blows my mind hearing stories like this when, like, some, like, in this case, like, he has a child of his own. Mm Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. It, like, I just, like, you know how it feels to be a parent, you know? And, like, I don't know, it's disgusting. Yeah, I think this man lacks empathy for anybody and any he lacks thing other than so himself. Much. Yeah, right. he's a psychopath. During the investigation into Margaret's disappearance, another abduction occurred. This time it was five-year-old Diana Joy Tift. Diana was at her grandmother's house at around 2 p.m. and decided to walk the block back to her own house. She carried a plastic pink handbag that she had gotten for Christmas and was seen by another passing family member on her journey home, which is fucking wild to me that a five-year-old, one, was trusted to walk like the six blocks back to her house, and two, that another family member saw her along this journey and just thought, oh, she's right. headed home. Because it was clearly, like, a common occurrence that she would do this, but she's fine. Even, like, even, I even thought, like, I kind of, like, thought about that with a six-year-old. Like, I'm thinking about, like, my family members, like, my cousins that, like, when they, like, at six years old, like, they could barely, like, wipe their own butt, like. Exactly. And I remember being, like, maybe like seven or eight and being allowed to walk to school by myself and this was like the early 2000s and like maybe I wasn't by myself all the time because I had my my sister with me but at the same time we're two little girls like right what is going right. on it's just insane. different yeah. d- different times different time. and like different, different stipulations times, man. different times man. different times man it was a different time <laughs> But as the day went on, it got to 7 p.m., and Diana still had not made it back to her own residence. The same amount of effort put into finding Margaret was quickly deployed when it came to finding Diana. There were about 2,000 people that searched for her shortly after she was reported missing. And on January 12, 1966, an unidentified man spent most of his morning hunting rabbits in Canic Chase. When Within the undergrowth, the body of five-year-old Diana Tiff was found she had been assaulted and suffocated according to the criminal autopsy mind you this is a five-year-old girl and all this is happening in the same city right yes yeah this is the same city and canic Canic chase Chase is at like the center it's a massive area it's like the center okay and and pieces around it too it's huge um a few inches away was the decomposed body of six-year-old Margaret Reynolds. She was unclothed aside from a single shoe, and the condition of her body made it impossible to determine the manner of her death. After the bodies were discovered, they linked both murders to an earlier abduction of Julia Taylor, and the Scotland Yard was brought in to assist in the investigations. They actually formed a task force that worked 14 hours a day, seven days a week, with alternating investigators. They looked into suspicious vehicles and pressed the man who found the body before eliminating him as a suspect. And I will say, the the initiative taken by law enforcement in this case was amazing. Like I, that's good. It's insane. That's good to we hear. don't see that very often. 
Um, right. And most of the time when we see it, it's not in the United States. So... <laughs> Clearly, yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Very interesting. Superintendent Harry Bailey had a plan set up with the idea that Raymond would strike again. They set up roadblocks at every exit point in the county, and officers were assigned to patrol Canic Chase in shifts. Every officer in the area was also told to drop everything at the code phrase, stop plan. Um, so very... at this point, do they just know it's the same person? That's yeah, so they like, don't they do know it's know... Raymond. Okay, they just don't know who it is, but they know it's the same. Like, they know kind of what they're looking for. Yeah, they've connected the crimes, uh, but not who has been doing the crimes. Right. The next incident occurred on August 19th, 1967. Seven-year-old Christine Darby was playing outside with her friends on Camden Street when she was lured into a dark gray car at 2.30 p.m., She had been asked by a stranger, who was later identified as Raymond, for directions. He acted confused and asked if Christine could drive with him to show him the way. Once Christine got into the car, Raymond reversed quickly and then took off towards the chase. Christine's friends ran to her house and told her mother, who then notified the police at a nearby payphone. The roadblocks were once again set up and law enforcement were convinced that the man was a local because of, you know going straight into Canic Chase. Yeah, and I just want to point out, if you guys haven't caught on, his crimes are getting way more bold. Like, taking a child right in front of, like, a ton of witnesses. Insane. And her house. Yeah, absolutely insane. So just like the previous abductions, 24,000 flyers were printed and hung around the area. The following day, law enforcement began searching Canic Chase on foot with the manpower of 400 officers. During the search, wow. a pair of underwear was found, as well as a child's jacket. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it, honestly, researching this case made me feel so sick. It's, like, yeah. so sick. It's and I had never heard of it before, well. which is interesting. Um, massive, massive manhunt. Two days later, a soldier named Michael Blundered found the body of Christine Darby in the underbrush of the chase. It was determined that she had died from suffocation, just like the previous two victims. Her body was located only a mile from Margaret and Diana as well. So not only this guy knew that they were looking for him, then abducted a girl broad daylight in front of witnesses, and then left the body pretty much in the same location of his other bodies yeah exactly he's he's got fucking guts man oh he's disgusting absolutely horrible like i cannot stand this man even looking at pictures of this man made me want to like vomit and it was literally what i'm thinking about that i'm gonna have to like look at this like pictures of this man and his yeah (laughs) yeah and i'm Um. not gonna be well no, it and, and the video, dude, the video, I'm, I'm telling not, you. No, 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 You don't want to see the ghost girl at the side of nope. uh, Canic Chase? Nope, I'm okay. It's actually very clear footage. <laughs> so, Assistant Chief Constable Sir Stanley Bailey was put in charge of the subsequent investigation. On the day of Christine's disappearance, a few hunters in the chase said that they also saw a grayish vehicle, so law enforcement focused on the process of elimination. The witnesses claimed that they were certain the car was a gray Austin A55 or A60, 
which the murders are also referred to a lot in media as the A-55 murders. Um, so that okay. is super important. When this information, or with this information in hand, the police began to go through the profiles of 23,000 people who owned the exact model and color at the time of Christine's mm. abduction and murder. With eyewitnesses' account, law enforcement also released the first ever full-color criminal composite of what they believed the suspect looked like. During oh, wow. this time, door-to-door investigations were also taking place. Yeah. That was a huge milestone in criminology like, was the first full color. Yeah. 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 It's massive. Then on November 4th, 1968, a 10-year-old by the name of Margaret Alton was nearly abducted by a man approaching her as she did yard work. He asked her to take a look at some fireworks in the passenger seat, but Margaret spooked easily and hesitated. The man tried to drag her into the car, but she thankfully broke free and got away. After, or, sorry, (laughs) across the street, a teenager named Mary Lane witnessed the incident and took note of the car. It was a green Ford with a cream roof. She also took note of the registration plate and informed law enforcement. The car was registered to a 39-year-old Raymond Leslie Morris. Where's he getting all these cars? Like, does he just have a bunch of cars? Literally, that was that was what I was thinking. And That's props I, like, to Mary Lane for being an eighteen-year-old yes. with some common fucking sense, right? Like that. I was just listening to like a podcast, and it's talking about how like how aware like people currently are of their surroundings. Like you never know if you're sitting next to somebody who might have just robbed a bank. So aware, and or like we right? like. We know shit is going down. I right. little tangent here. I um I go for hot girl walks sometimes in the summer because like you know yeah. they're Hell they're great, yeah. right? Um. So the last time I went, there was someone who was following me like in a silver uh, car, and I immediately took my phone out and like started recording, and that like got them to back off. And thankfully, I live in such a small town that literally a block later, I just gave up and I was like, I'm going home. Like, this is stressing me out. The fact that they, like... Because they reversed and, like, went down an alley with me. It was fucking wild. I hated every second of it. Um, Please be aware of your surroundings. Because the second I saw this car pass twice, I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, something's Um, up. Yeah. Exactly. And thankfully... A A plus. Right? I was like, okay. I'm not going to be one of these bitches who just, like, keep going on my hot girl walk with my headphones on. We're going to go home. (laughs) We're going to do some shit. Like, we're going to lose them first, and then we're going to go home. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But thankfully, I uh, ended up running into two two of my friends as they were walking their dog. And they walked me home, which was incredibly sweet, or walked me, like, a couple bucks. We love Um, them. (laughs) Yeah, they're great. Fantastic. Love living in a small town. Um, But, yeah, like you said, you're you're so much more aware of your surroundings. I was immediately aware that that was there. Um, Even um, the Delphi murders. Uh, mm-hmm. That are, are are still going on. They were extremely oh, aware of their surroundings too, because they pulled out their to phone. My stomach too. Exactly. It's. I mean, you know, with social media, with CCTV right. getting like more enhanced, there's not really many crimes that people can do. It's not like Raymond fucking Leslie, who's like out here in broad daylight kidnapping girls. Like that. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's. I mean, it can, but it's extremely unlikely. Right fucking wild 
So Raymond was arrested, and he did claim that he had no knowledge of the attempted abduction. He also told police that this was a new car, and he previously owned a gray Austin A55. This got the investigators' attention, and they looked further into Raymond, who strangely resembled resembled the sketch put out in 1967. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looked extremely like the sketch. He had actually been questioned four times about the murder between 19... (gasps) Or murders between 1964 and 1968. Yeah, because you remember the cops were doing uh, their their back and forth and going door to door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At the time of these, they had made notes saying, like, he's kind of a strange man. Um, His alibis don't really line up, but we don't have any other evidence against him. So there was no reason for them to pursue him anymore. Um. But the more they looked into it, the more they saw that his insurance records began to link up with the exact time of deaths. And, you know, there was just so much evidence. And he was not trying to be sneaky about it. He had these cars during the murder. He wasn't at work during these murders. He was, like, had no alibi at any point during these abductions and murders. So on November 15th, Raymond was arrested again in connection to the crimes because they did have to let him go the first time. They also took Raymond's wife into custody. She gave him a salad alibi and stuck to her story, but finally broke and said that she had lied about his location at the time of Christine's murder. Upon searching through Raymond's home, they found a small box filled with pornographic images of Raymond's own niece. <gasps> mm-hmm. With oh. lack of evidence for the other crimes, they detained him for the photographs found, and by November 17th, Raymond Leslie Morris was officially charged for the abductions and murders of Julia Taylor, Margaret Reynolds, Diana Tift, and Christine Darby. The police did, like, a, like an incredible job. They did. They did. During this, like, we, mm-hmm. I, we like, never hear any stories like that, and, like, I just, like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to say I'm not ACAB, because I might be ACAB, but, like, at the same time, good job, guys. It's, like, it's just, like, we never hear that. No, never. Not here. Especially not here. Right. Um, it, for some strange reason, it takes uh, a person to blow up on social media to get any attention into their case. Right, exactly, especially especially now. Which is both a blessing and a curse, um, so... Mm -hmm. You know. But that's, like, it's, like, I don't want to say refreshing, but it's, and I know this was in the 60s, but it's, like, they really did such a good job. They did. They did such a good fucking job. And it's kind of unfortunate um, because it takes a really long time to file charges uh, to the point where they initially only charged him uh, with Christine's murder. Mm -hmm. Um because that one they had the most evidence on they initially you know indicted him for all the crimes but then they were like okay we got to focus on christine the most important part is putting this guy away um yeah so that's exactly what they did upon searching oh wait i went to the wrong the wrong bit so it took the jury less than two hours to convict raymond who received life imprisonment for his crimes he sent a cold gaze to his second wife, who had actually testified against him before exiting the courtroom. And yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He uh, would apply for parole a couple times, but then, Ew. but you know, no one, no one ever took him up on that one. Right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> 
he died in the HMP Preston Health Facility in March of 2014 at the age of 84. So he did spend his entire life in prison. Good. And, you know, it's wild seeing 2014. Um, right. That was... That's, you know, when I started high school. Like, that's insane that this like, man was so still recent. alive. Yeah. It was you fucking wild. You started high school in 2014? 2015, technically. Hi. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. You started? I started in 2013. Okay, I started in 2013. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I know you didn't because I graduated high school in 2015. No, it was 2013. It was, uh, that was my bad. Um, I'm dyslexic, so. <laughs> um. So at the time of his death, he never admitted any type of guilt or involvement in any of the murders. A retired policewoman who helped aid in the search in the 60s stated in response to taxpayer money being used to cremate Morris, I'm sure the families of his victims would be disgusted. Canic Chase will never forget what he did. Um, So that was a huge, huge outcry um, back in 2014 when he was cremated uh, because they didn't want to dignify him with any type of burial. Um, but at the same time, no one, no one claimed any relation to him and they didn't really know what to do. So they just cremated him. Um, but unfortunately had to, had to dip into some taxpayer money to do it. Um, which fucking sucks, honestly, but I don't know what else they would do with him at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's like giant cremation machines for prisoners that they don't collect. They could have taken him to Paris and just put him in in the streets yeah they could have that public theater man they could have just done that (laughs) free theater (laughs) so as for the ghosts that haunt the underbrush of canic chase it's said that the girl with black orbed eyes wanders a trail many have linked the girl to christine darby herself who had been blindfolded by raymond morris at the time of her death There are multiple videos out there showing the hawking figure dressed in white at the edges of the chase, like I said before, um, which we will link below. I'm not going to make Carly watch it because it is picture. extremely I'll unsettling. I'll post a picture of it. It's just like, I'm at like 11 p.m. my time right now, so I'm a little like, I'm not, I'm not going to make you watch the video. I, yeah, I watched it in full daylight and it still freaked me out. Um... But yeah, that is that is the story of uh, the Canic Chase murders, and fuck Raymond Leslie, yeah. and eat a dick in the afterlife, bro. Eat several dicks, actually. In Amsterdam, at the penis. In Amsterdam, museum. at the penis museum, crunchy dicks. That, that Sorry, was a very unsettling story, I will say. Yeah, I definitely, um, the show I had watched only mentioned it for, like, three seconds, and I ended up looking it up, because I was just like, okay, I've never heard of those, can't be that brutal. Boy, was I in for a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, that is, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. um, Right. At all. Which is insane and scary, and I did not like recapping everything just now, because it's terrible. It's horrible. Fuck people who commit crimes and fuck people twice over who commit crimes against children. Yeah, that's... I think that's crazy. I've never heard that story either. Like, But 
Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, Be sure to check out the link in our bio. It has links to our website where you can send us a message. If uh, Just tell us how you're liking the podcast. You can tell us if there's any stories or cases you'd like us to hear. Uh, You can also check out all of our social media platforms. They're all linked on our website as well. We got a Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. I think that's it. Yeah, Um, I think that's it. Um, but definitely check those out as well. Give us a follow and stay spooky, folks. Oh my god. So that's definitely a thing now, huh? It is. It is. I'm oh, it it's a thing. <laughs> Don't get it tattooed. <laughs>